Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. You're listening to the Rebel Report Podcast, where it's all Ole Miss all the time. Here's your host, Michael Borky. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Glad that you are with me on this Thursday morning, or whenever you're listening. It could be Thursday morning, could be Thursday afternoon, Friday morning, whatever. I'm just glad that you are here. And don't forget to subscribe. Uh, a lot of you listen uh, in browser on the website. We appreciate you being on the website, but hop on over to your favorite podcast app. I would recommend Spotify myself, but there's a bunch of them. And search Rebel Report and subscribe and leave a rating and a review. And let's dive in. So something that that I think about a lot uh, when going into weekends, you guys know if you listen to this all the time anyway or listen to the radio show, you know I like labels. I like calling weekends certain things, like Survival Saturday or whatever. It's kind of cheesy, but it's it's something that I like to do, and, and I do it often. But associated with those thoughts are like kind of what's on the line, what's at stake, whatever phrase, frankly, uh, you want to use there. What's at stake this week, this weekend for Ole Miss uh, against Texas A&M? What is on the line for the Rebels as they take on Jimbo Fisher's Aggies this weekend? So we're going to talk about that. We're going to look at a couple of keys as well on this edition of the Rebel Report. Please follow me on social media at Michael Borky, B-O-R-K-E-Y. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all there. Follow me there. So, what is on the line this weekend? The way I look at it is like consequences of a loss versus benefits of a win. And now, you know, when I bring this up, I'm sure some of you are thinking, well, you know, it's the same every week. A loss is bad and a win is good and, and on and on. But, I mean, I think that it's very different. Like last weekend, for example, uh, there were basically no quote-unquote benefits uh, to beating Vanderbilt other than you get to continue on. It's another SEC win. You get to move forward still with everything in front of you. But you didn't gain anything by beating Vanderbilt. It was a game that you're supposed to win. When the schedule came out, you looked at it and thought, well, that's a win. you got to beat Vanderbilt at home. And then going into the game, it was like, uh, you know, it's a game that they slept walk through and still covered a large spread and beat them as bad as anybody had, worse than anybody has this season. So nothing really was gained last weekend, but a loss would have been, I mean, a catastrophe of epic proportions. And next weekend... Uh, I think there's really, quote-unquote, nothing on the line for Ole Miss when it comes to consequences. I I think losing next weekend, especially should they get past Texas A&M, is not bad at all. I think next weekend, I've used the phrase free shot. A lot of people will because that's, in my opinion, exactly what it is. Now, it would probably eliminate you from the college football playoff, but there is still so much, even with the loss to Georgia, uh, that that Ole Miss can do and can gain moving forward, and, and the season can be viewed as a massive success, even with a loss to Georgia. So I think there's very little consequences of a loss, and there's the benefits are extreme with a win next weekend. So that's kind of how I look at it, is what's on the line, what are the consequences versus benefits of this game with Texas A&M. And here I'll start with the negative. 
the consequences of a loss. Uh, so what is what is at stake if Ole Miss loses? What happens? And it's your access bowl bid is probably gone uh, because if you can't beat Texas A and M at home, you sure shouldn't expect to, to beat Georgia uh, on the road. So it's likely over. Your your chance at an access bowl is likely over, which would have been your second in three years. Your second 10-win regular season in program history is likely over with uh, with Georgia next weekend. And for whatever it's worth to you, Lane Kiffin would uh, take a lot of, of mocking, frankly, after this game. I know Glenn Gilbo at OutKicks wrote a really awful, awful column on Lane Kiffin's behavior, quote-unquote, about Jimbo. And, I mean, could not have possibly missed the mark anymore if he tried. Uh, I will tell you, though, uh, don't let stuff like that occupy your mind. <laughs> I mean, it, it's intentional. It, it's either emotional or intentional. One of the two. It is either overly emotional to the point where he can't see straight, or it's intentional to try to piss you off and get you to engage with it. The, the, the only... And if you haven't read it, don't go seek it out. I'm not even gonna. I'm not gonna read it to you. We're not gonna react to it other than this right here. Don't even go seek it out. It is. It's garbage, and it's it's either emotional or intentional. Don't even bother looking for it. But that aside, because that's just ridiculous nonsense. It's garbage. Don't don't even look at it and consume it. However, if Kiffin does this stuff with Jimbo all week and then loses to Jimbo on Saturday, I know he qualified a lot of the statements with how talented they are, and stuff like that. And he's right. This is going to be a tough game. A&M is really talented, especially on the defensive line. But when you do stuff like this, and you lose, he is going to get mocked, should they lose on Saturday. So for whatever that's worth to you, Kiffin's going to kind of have to wear it if they lose on Saturday. And a little side possible benefit is it could possibly save Jimbo. <laughs> Beating the number 10 team on the road uh, could possibly save his job with a $70-plus million buyout. So, uh, you know, maybe there is a, a nice little benefit there uh, to losing this game. But uh, all, all joking aside, the consequences are the Access Bowl bid, which is certainly within their grasp, a 10-win season and all that would uh, would disappear. It would go away. And uh, that would be uh, highly disappointing considering w- what these next four games are. You know, they're, they're sitting at 7-1. and one. They're a home favorite. They're going to be a favorite in Starkville. They're going to be a really heavy favorite, obviously, against Louisiana Monroe. And God, who knows what Mississippi State is going to look like by then. I mean, if they lose to Kentucky this weekend, ooh, it's going to get really ugly there. Kind of nasty ugly uh, there. Uh, and the calls for change are going to be uh, loud. I mean, like jet engine loud. So the opportunity for, for Ole Miss to, frankly, overachieve relative to expectations again and, and mark their second 10-win season ever, it's right there in their grasp. And, and to not achieve that this weekend would uh, would be absolutely disappointing. On the flip side, though, the, the benefits to a win. So those are the consequences of a loss. The benefits of a win... Is uh, everything that I just mentioned is still alive? And, and frankly, if they get past A and M this weekend, I would bet my mortgage that Ole Miss is going to go to an Access Bowl and, and win ten games. If they can survive this somehow, even with the loss to Georgia, I think they're going to beat Louisiana Monroe, and I think they're going to beat Mississippi State. So, um, I, again, I would bet my mortgage on it. It sets up most importantly 
that free shot next week with Georgia where you can really focus on that game without worrying what comes next because it's Louisiana Monroe. I mean, Ole Miss's third stringers could play the entire game and beat Louisiana Monroe handedly. So you can absolutely load up and take your free shot without fear of anything else happening. Uh, It sets up a game where, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, it truly feels like Ole Miss would be playing for a college football playoff berth uh, for the first time since the 4th and 25 Arkansas game. But even then, uh, they already had two losses at that point. It felt like far more of a stretch than an 11-1 SEC West team. I know Ole Miss is still going to need help should they uh, do what most people would think is improbable and upset Georgia. But they can... Uh, I mean, they would still need help, but at 11-1 and SEC West team, with that one loss being in Tuscaloosa, would have the strongest argument Ole Miss could possibly have. I would assume college game day would be involved in that one. Ole Miss would get a week of national pub and attention that even under Lane Kiffin, they they don't usually get in this way. I mean, it will be... um, The Ole Miss game that would generate the most attention... Ooh, maybe ever. I mean, I know 2014 Alabama was an epic, epic day, and they had game day and all that, and this game is on the road, which which kind of stinks relative to what it could possibly be. But, uh, I mean, the, the country would be paying attention to that one, uh, more so than just it's a big game. It's a, it's a playoff-implicated game. Can Georgia be upset here? It's It, it would be different as opposed to just oh, wow, game day's at the Grove, and can Ole Miss upset Alabama and, and all that? It's it's much deeper than that, especially being uh, into November. So it sets up that free shot. And most importantly to me, winning this game, and you would have to close well. You would still have to beat Mississippi State and Louisiana Monroe. But what winning this game would be, getting to 8-1 and one in November, being a heavy favorite in two more games, Uh, would be proof of concept, program validation, maybe uh, another phrase that that you could use. Proof of concept uh, came from uh, my thinking about the the transfer portal strategy, and I know they're going to try to go away from it a little bit and sign more high school players uh, because they're having success doing so, but they're they're still going to add portal guys uh, at a higher volume than typical uh, across college football anyway. Seemingly every year, it seems like they've figured out uh, a, a niche. It seems like they figured out what went wrong last season. I mean, Kiffin has talked about it openly, how much team building and, and emphasis on that uh, they have done, and it is working uh, right now. Uh, who they signed this offseason, and by who, I, I mean, we talked about it the other day, I think, uh, the, the the kind of portal guys, not just you know, get the most talented player available. It was get the guy that was at Miami of Ohio and Liberty and uh, James Madison, uh, who are clearly good enough to to go up a level that, have, that that are mature, that have played a lot of football, and they'll come in and buy in and be productive. That, that it looks like even their portal strategy has been adjusted a little bit. But beating this Texas A and M team and and getting to eight and one with wins over LSU and Arkansas, and I mean, you guys know the rest would be proof of concept that they have found their ability to try to level the playing field. 
I know Jimbo Fisher's not a particularly great coach anymore, but he has got, and Lane Kiffin's not kidding. I mean, it's a top five talented team. If Lane Kiffin had this Texas A&M team, they'd, what, have one loss maybe? Maybe they lose that Alabama game still? They, they sure as hell wouldn't be in the position they're currently in if, if he had those players, but if Ole Miss can line up and beat this collection of talent and this A&M team and move to 8-1, and one, it would be proof that the strategy of relying heavily on the portal is good for Ole Miss. I mean, we've talked about it in theory a lot, especially during the off-seasons, is is this the right strategy? Should they build through high school? It, you can't sustain and win. Relying on the portal is what I've heard from people that, that cover a different program in the state so often is, oh, you can't build through the portal. It, uh, but this would be proof that you can. And this is how Ole Miss equalizes talent-wise to a Texas A&M. They build their roster differently than Texas A&M. They don't have the money that A&M has, although the collective is well-funded and organized and all that. Like All that's true, but it's still not A&M money, and you guys know that. But beating them and moving to 8-1 and one would validate the strategy works. It would mean that you can, at Ole Miss, equalize by doing it a little bit differently than that of A&M and LSU, who you've already beaten, and Alabama, who your best offensive weapons were were hurt in that game or not 100%. I mean, Harris played a little, but but that's all he did. Priestcorn played a, a little, but he was still getting his feet under him. I don't know. I feel like that game might not look the exact same now that they are uh, as healthy as they are. But anyway, point being, it would be proof that you can't equalize. It would be validation for your program that the floor is elevating. I still don't know what Ole Miss's ceiling is. I I, 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 has, I hate to say this, considering the season that they're having. I still wonder if if it's possible to win a national championship at Ole Miss. I don't think at, at this moment it is because of just the sheer resources that a Georgia has that, that you don't have. However, I think it would be proof that the floor is elevating. We talk about the investment and, and the way Keith Carter is running this and, and you, the fans, buying into NIL. Man, if they can win 28 games in three years, that's not just a Lane Kiffin thing. That's an old Miss thing. That is a program-elevating floor thing. So if they win that game, it will, of course, keep that alive and keep the 10-win season alive and the Access Bowl alive, which is all like immediate... Mike, like this season, but what it would, what I think it would say to the country is Ole Miss is elevating its tier. They're not a bottom feeder anymore. They've invested, fans have bought in, and that is sustainable. 28 regular season wins in three years at Ole Miss is proof of concept and it's proof of floor elevating. So that to me is what is on the line. On Saturday, before we get to the keys to the game, the actual game, and not just the big picture stuff, I want to remind you that the podcast is brought to you by Vantage Business Systems. Check them out online, absms.com. Forgive me if I was rambling a little bit there, guys. Sorry, I just uh, I, I feel like this is a big this is a big spot and a big moment, and um, you know sometimes I ramble, and that's just <laughs> I hate that, but sometimes I ramble. I'm sorry. I don't I don't know what to tell you. I do. But anyway, I'm sitting here talking to myself right now. 
So I'm going to ramble a bit. Please forgive me. But anyway, absms.com is the website. That's who presents this podcast to you. If you are a Mississippi business and you're in the market for office technology, anything from copiers and printers and mail machines to cloud storage and data security, IT projects, whatever it is, if it's technology, if it's in the office and your Mississippi business needs it, check them out online absms.com. Advantage Business Systems has you covered. Tell them I sent you, and you'll get a complimentary office technology assessment. Podcast is also brought to you by Priority One Bank. Let them make you their priority with 16 locations scattered across the state of Mississippi. So there's very likely one in your backyard, like there's one basically in my backyard. They always treat me well. Every time I go, I always have positive banking experiences with Priority One Bank. Of course, they have an online platform like everybody does, but there's this one-stop shop. I needed multiple apps at my previous bank to do everything that I did and do with Priority One Bank just with an internet connection. Priority One Bank makes you their priority. All right, here we go. Three keys to the game Ole Miss, Texas A&M on Saturday. Key number one to me, it's uh, it's the obvious one. It's the one that everybody's talking about, but it's protection. Uh Protecting Jackson Dart with the offensive line and and possibly getting him on the move, but I'll start with protection. Um, The offensive line's got to play their best game, possibly of the year, uh, considering the the challenges and the depth and the physical and the the athleticism that A&M produces uh, on the defensive line. Lane Kiffin's not kidding. I know there's some trolling involved in what he says about A&M, but he is also being serious when he says that uh, John Garrison probably didn't like the cut-up that they sent him for his team meeting uh, with, with his position group to show what AM presents on that defensive line. Him, Lane Kiffin's spot on with that. They are uber-talented on the defensive line, and Ole Miss has struggled in protection. They even struggled on Saturday with Vanderbilt in, uh, in pass protection. So uh, I'm curious to see how they're going to try to alleviate that. The backs are going to have to have good days uh, helping in pass protection as well. Maybe they keep Priest Corn inside some. Uh, to help with that, even if it's just you know chipping ends or whatever. They're, they're going to have to find something uh, to, to help the offensive line protect Jackson Dart. I, maybe you know a quick passing game, uh, maybe a screen game as well to, to kind of alleviate the expected pressure uh, that is coming. Also possibly getting Jackson Dart on the move uh, a little bit, whether it be rolling out the pocket or having a lot of design runs. I know he has looked a little banged up. Uh, the last couple of weeks, and it, it appears that there is something. I'm just kind of guessing here because nobody's been able to confirm it publicly, but it, it does feel like there's a little something bothering him uh, in his lower body, but um, he, he's going to have to run in this game. He, he's going to have to use his legs because uh, that can help a ton. It won't allow a to just pin their ears back and go after him. Quarterback draws, maybe some rollouts, screen games, stuff like that. I am very curious to see how they do it, but Ole Miss has to protect better, absolutely has to protect better if they're going to beat Texas A&M on Saturday. That is key number one, protection. Key number two is the the exact opposite, the, just the total flip side of what I just said. You have to take advantage of what Texas A&M does, I think, the worst. Um, I've watched them play, and I know Max Johnson is an experienced backup. He's not your typical backup quarterback that is just like blinded, um, like deer in the headlights. You know, he's not that. He's he's played some SEC ball. He's been around a little bit. He's certainly not bad, uh, but I don't think he's particularly great either. And he's not exactly elusive. Uh, not great in the pocket, at least on my 
uh, from my amateur view. Uh, and Texas A&M's offensive line is bad. Uh, they, they don't protect him well. And what something that Ole Miss does really well, just like A&M, is they get after the quarterback. We talk about it all the time. Their havoc rate is exceptional. They're really good with tackles for loss. They're really good with creating turnovers. And they are really good at getting after the quarterback. When you get there, you've got to bring him down. But Ole Miss has got to take advantage of what I think is their biggest advantage uh, over Texas A&M. Ole Miss's defensive front versus A&M's offensive front uh, might look very similar to the opposite. A&M's defensive front versus Ole Miss's offensive front. So they got to take advantage there. I expect them to. Uh, they've been really, really good in those spots, and, and the rotation's going to help a ton. And in sidebar, uh, something that I don't have written down, but uh, that that is worth noting, Ole Miss, as you guys know, is exceptional in the second half. Uh, it just, they're just a good second-half team. Defensively, offensively, they've basically doubled up their opponents in the second half. They've played really good second-half defense. That's where that's where they've won their games. That's where they beat LSU. That's where they beat Arkansas. They, I mean, gave up seven points total to Vanderbilt, kept them off the, the scoreboard in the fourth quarter. They're a really good second-half football team. Tulane, all that. A&M is not. A&M offensively is really bad uh, in the second half relative to their production in the first half. Uh, so Ole Miss has got to continue on that. Uh, if they... If this is a close game in the third quarter, hell, if A&M has a small lead in the third quarter, I will expect Ole Miss to win the game. That's how consistent they've been in being really good as the game goes on. So uh, they need to continue that. If they do, uh, they'll win the game. I'm telling you, I think if Ole Miss has a slight lead or, or, or if they are slightly down into the second half, I will expect them to win the game. That's how good they've been, especially considering how bad A&M has been, how bad they've been on the road um, under Jimbo Fisher. This is not a jinx or or whatever, because I've said it on the radio already, so it's too late, but A&M has not won a road game in over two years. They're very bad on the road. And for what it's worth, I mean, the game's going to sell out, going to be a massive Ole Miss crowd. A&M sold back a bunch of tickets, uh, so... Um, that that will help a ton as well. So anyway, got to protect Dart, figure out uh, ways to alleviate the pressure, got to take advantage of A&M's biggest weakness, and finally, continue to play fundamentally sound defense. I know that's not necessarily key, keep playing the way you've been playing, but I think you understand my point. I have no confidence in A&M's ability to consistently drive the football down the field and beat Ole Miss. I think the way that they can beat you because they have the, the potential at wide receiver to be really explosive. If you blow coverages or something like that, then they, they've got dudes that can burn you. But if you don't, if Ole Miss continues to just play assignment, fundamentally sound football on defense, I don't think that A&M can consistently drive the football down the field and score on them. I, I really have no confidence in A&M's ability to do that. So, as long as they don't blow coverages, as long as they don't have bad penalties or whatever that extend drives, I, I really think A&M is going to struggle to score in this game. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the finals like 24-21, something like that. A, a kind of a low-scoring game, bit of a slog there for periods of time considering strength on weakness on both sides. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Ole Miss has, has been so good at playing responsibility football, playing sound fundamentally sound football on defense, that if that continues, I don't see A&M scoring on them. If they limit mistakes, they're going to win. 
on that side of the ball. So those are your three keys. That's what's on the line this weekend. Appreciate you guys uh, being a part. Sorry for rambling. I know I got one uh, DM from one of you that said I ramble too much and I need to shut up. Uh, So I appreciate the feedback. Um, Forgive me for doing that. I am here in a room kind of by myself, though. So am I just going crazy? I don't know. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll see you after the game. Enjoy your weekend. It's going to be beautiful, freaking beautiful football weather. Uh, The stadium's going to be packed, and even though it's 11 a.m., uh, I think that it's going to be nuts inside of uh, Vault Hemingway. So looking forward to watching the game and talking to you guys about it when it's over. See you then. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.